It's Dr. Stu's Podcast with me, Dr. Stuart Fishbein, and you are listening to podcast number 134. We want to thank you all for listening. We've had some really great responses to some of our recent podcasts. I'm here with my lovely protege and very sexy <laughs> librarian <laughs> looking. <Not yet. laughs> Bliss Young. Uh, thanks, Bliss, for being here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You can, uh, we'd like you to find us on iTunes. We'd like you to give us five stars. We'd like you to look us up on drstewspodcast.com. You can email me at askdrstew at gmail.com. We're going to do a couple of emails today. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, unless I said that already. You can still like us again on Facebook. Keep liking. Keep liking us on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram now. Did you know that I was on Instagram now? I've got 340. Amazing. I hate the word followers, though. I don't, no. I don't well, like that word. <laughs> stop resisting what's so. Is it really? Followers? Yeah, they're your followers. And then you follow other people. You don't like being, you don't like no, that. No, Yeah. Yeah, that's how, that's. Yeah, fellow IG. travelers, maybe? Well, you can make your own okay. thing, but I have 340, 340 fellow travelers. And um, how many posts? Four. <laughs> One since last <laughs> Four, time. maybe five. We're I don't know. Together. Uh, I'm not, not too many. I'm not too active on it. That's okay. Uh, so listen, we have a, we're going we're gonna to get to our guest in a minute. We have a guest today. We're we haven't excited. had a guest on the podcast for a while. I know. We're going to get to that. But I got a few, a few little bit of housekeeping things to take care of first. A um, couple things on the uh, uh, outrage of the day thing. I, outrage? Yeah, there's just a little... Uh, I, I can't help it. I have these Google searches for home birth and... And today, I was looking at it this morning when I woke up, and there's this thing about uh, Arkansas. I feel bad for the midwives in Arkansas. They've basically, a judge has put a stay on their, they're trying to get VBAC at home, and it's been banned, and they tried to put a stay on it. And uh, the judge says that it's not safe, based on what the, the uh, Department of Health of Arkansas says. Yeah, I so, feel sorry for the women who want choice. That's who I feel sorry totally, for. Totally, yeah. totally. And that's mm-hmm. the point that the midwives were making. Mm-hmm. But what's really funny about the, well, not funny, but what's really weird about this thing is that the head of the, me- the medical director for the health department, his name is William Greenfield, he basically says that, uh, he, he does one of the things that Dr. Stu hates, which he says that women who have cesarean sections are 22 times more likely to suffer a uterine rupture during subsequent vaginal births. Okay. Mm-hmm. But You um, want to break that down? Yeah. But then he goes on to say, although the overall risk of rupture is still less than 1%, it can have catastrophic consequences. So why the 22 times more likely when it's less than 1% other than to be hyperbolic? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Then he also says that, quotes the American College of OBGYN's November 2017 bulletin, recommending against home births for women with previous cesarean section because of the unpredictability of complications requiring emergency care. But the midwives say that the hospitals uh, in their area, most of Arkansas, that they, uh, doctors will not deliver babies vaginally for women who've had cesarean sections, and some hospitals have policies against such births. So here's Mr. Greenfield saying, or doctor, yeah, I guess he's Mr. Greenfield, saying that uh, VBACs are, are safe in the hospital, they shouldn't be done at home, and that we don't want midwives doing them at home but he doesn't say anything about the fact that hospitals are banning midwives. I mean, banning VBACs. Right. So what so are their options? There are no options. Right. 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 And where's the choice? You know, I mean, ultimately, it should be a woman's decision. And if 99% of the time it's going to be safe, then that, I mean, that, for me, that's the bottom line is dictating a choice. for. A woman. Yeah. And there's data. There's a lot of data out there on VBACs at home. I okay. actually posted something on Instagram just this week. On VBAC? Uh, well, it talks about planned home births, but it has a statistic, and it says um, 87% of women with previous cesareans had their babies vaginally with a planned home birth with midwives in attendance. Yeah, well, that's one of the things they don't talk about either is the success rate. Because mm-hmm. success rates of VBAC in the hospital are far, far less than the number that you just quoted. Yes. Right. Yeah. So ultimately, when there's a, there's success rate issues and there's risk issues, the decision belongs to who? Of course, the politicians. Oh, yeah. Okay, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> They've got you trained. <laughs> you got me trained yeah. in sarcasm. Yeah, I got you trained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a do- I have a doctorate in sarcasm. <laughs> All right. So then I got a couple of, we got some mail here. I got I to gotta respond to some of these mails. We love your mail, by the way. Please keep them coming. It's so fun for us. 
to hear from you. And uh, now I got to find the one though. Let's see and where to go. Stu needs glasses. Yeah, no, I don't to need glasses. To be able to read. Okay, here's one from Elizabeth. Uh, where is Elizabeth? <laughs> Doesn't say where she's from. Oh, Dallas Fort Worth. Nice. All right, so we had Arkansas because I know I have Arkansas listeners. That's why I did the Arkansas little angry blurb today, and then and then now Dallas. She writes that the midwifery community there was recently lost, rocked by a loss of a baby with GBS mm-hmm. infection. This has understandably shook everyone and forced us to review our practices and inform consent disclosures. In our last podcast, uh, uh, Bliss touched on GBS, and I mentioned how she gives such thorough informed consent, which you do. She would love to hear Bliss give an example of her informed consent, not necessarily for GBS, but just a general consent. As a student, I'm always looking to expand my knowledge base and add as much information as possible. So for you, Elizabeth, uh, Bliss is going to give you a little talk about how she might talk about GBS. Well, I'll just talk about informed consent in general. Um, I think that the most important thing is that we give both sides. And so it is really scary when we have a loss of any kind or we have a bad outcome of any kind um, because we want to try and control that from happening in the future because it's it's devastating for the family, for you, it's scary for your license, all of those things. But I really believe that we have to give them choice. That's what my whole practice is based upon. And so therefore, you know, I send a lot of people to do thorough reading at um, evidence-based birth. I think a lot of their topics are very thorough and they talk about both sides. I have a documented, informed consent for GBS and all the other kind of normal informed consents that we would have, which has all of the statistics and talks about both, you know, the downsides of saying no to to antibiotics or, you know, what the risk factors are statistically so that they can actually see that. But I also tell them that, you know, there are people who are on the spectrum of what they decide to do and that healthcare is basically your decision and it's not always western medicine that people want to opt to how to manage their healthcare so some people on the spectrum will do what's most conservative which is the standard of care for gbs to obviously um start antibiotics as soon as active labor begins Um, but i also talk about other countries and in Europe, that they don't even test for GBS. They don't even culture for it, right. Right, and that it's a migrating bacteria, and it comes and goes, and it lives in our colon, and this, now I'm getting more into GBS. But um, the the way that we test for GBS is is pretty antiquated. Like, it would be great if we could test actually have a, in have labor. A rap, have a rapid GBS test, right. right. which yeah. we don't right now. Um, so, so many women are getting treated for GBS with antibiotics that are not benign. Antibiotics have a downside to them as well, which is See, not but, normally talked but about. But that's where that's where the medical community would differ from what we what you just said and what I agree with you is that they I I really do believe they think that giving somebody uh, ampicillin or giving somebody um, clindamycin they think has really no repercussions that there's no downside to it and therefore why not do it okay i think that they they actually feel that way even though there's data on the microbiome about things that can happen to children later in life like uh, like uh, childhood asthma and adult onset diabetes and that sort of thing autoimmune disorders you know that's also very rare and i don't want to be accused of hyperbole on that too the the risks from gbs are rare the risks from antibiotics are rare Mm -hmm. so then when we get back to that same discussion of whose whose responsibility is it, Elizabeth, to make that decision, and it really depends on a couple of things. Obviously, the factors can change, but ultimately the, the initial decision belongs to the mother uh, with the caveat that, yeah, if, you're, if you rupture your membranes and you've been ruptured for 48 hours and you had a really long labor and that sort of thing, or you develop a fever, I mean, there are different reasons why people give antibiotics even when they don't want them in the first place, people, uh, you know, a consented individual will change their mind. Sometimes. The, the story that I was talking about specifically in the last podcast, they did not necessarily change their mind, although a lot will, and that is within their right as well. Just like someone who develops cancer 
has a right to say no to chemotherapy or someone who has a religious belief has the right to be able to decline having blood products or not being resuscitated. Like the, this is our body, this is our decision to make. And be, just because we live in America does not mean that Western medicine is the way that we necessarily handle our healthcare and to be bullied and manipulated and scared to believe that if we're a responsible parent that we would do the most conservative thing, even though it might be against our belief system. You know, it's just, I don't, I don't think that that's responsible healthcare. So sometimes I feel uncomfortable, like in that situation, I did start to feel uncomfortable about their choices. But ultimately, I just kept saying, I will support whatever you decide. And I made sure to have them to document it really well that I had multiple conversations with them. And, um, and and that's I'm going to stand by that. Yeah, and also yeah. though in, in in our community, and I'm sure probably in, in Elizabeth's community as well, when a when a person needs to be transferred to the hospital with positive GBS, and they have declined antibiotics at home, mm-hmm. it raises a lot of red flags for the hospital, and there's a lot of uh, uh, cascade of interventions that might occur that the, the parents may choose that giving antibiotics at that point might be the lesser of two evils than having the baby go to the NICU and you know, be observed for three days or that sort of thing. So right. there's other factors that come involved. And these are all the things that in the, in the mid- midwifery model of care that we tend to practice, we have time in an office visit prenatally to discuss all these things. Mm-hmm. So I think that to sum it up for Elizabeth is that we make the best decisions we can, but obviously in, in the field that we're in, there are no guarantees. And even, the, you know, right. when you have, you know, when you have a bad outcome, you always sort of second guess yourself, any human being would. But, uh, you know, you have to put that in context of all the, the things that you've saved and the good outcomes that you've had because of the decisions that, that, that you have made along with your clients um, that may have been different. And you look at the outcomes in the hospital. I mean, there are, there are so many outcomes in the hospital that if those babies would have been born at home, they would have not probably happened. Yeah. And you can include that in your informed consent as well if you feel comfortable being that vulnerable with your clients to just say, you know, there was a bad outcome in our community last year or this year. And um, that makes me want to make sure that you know that, you know, even though this is a, a low risk, there's still the potential that it could be quite serious. You know, you can't shy away from those things either. You have to make sure and give them both sides. And um, we have forms that we have. And and Elizabeth, if you want to email me, I can email you a copy of one of the consent forms that we use. Um, the Bliss uses, I think we use relatively the same form. I mean, you probably, yours probably is prettier than mine, but. I don't know. <laughs> right now I'm using the one from the sanctuary because it had such good statistics on you, it. Did you change the heading or does it still say? Uh, does no, it still I changed say? the heading. Okay. Sanctuary. So, anyway, so I hope that answers your question a little bit, Elizabeth. There are no good answers. And as Bliss just said, in, with VBAC, I mean, if a VBAC, you know, ACOG says don't do it at home. So does Mr. Greenfield from Arkansas. <laughs> but but 87% of people who have them at home, it was 93% in my pra- in my practice in my first 135 paper, mm-hmm. um, were successful. And that you'll never have that success rate in the hospital. I have 100%. That'll change. <laughs> I still can say it. Yeah. Well, I can still say that I have 100% <laughs> success rate in multi- multiple breaches. Awesome. Right. Yeah. But I know you say our numbers, what do you say, have not reached... Statistical significance. Yeah. So, yes. All right. Anyway, enough of that. We've got more, more emails. If we have time at the end, we'll get to them. But we have a guest. So why we don't you do. take it away? Awesome. So thank you so much for coming, Carla. I wanted to um, read your bio, and now I've taken my glasses off. So, so I'll just... I'll just <laughs> we have uh, Dula Carla Lang with us today, and... Um, She's going to tell us a story about stuff that happens at the hospital and a specific story. Yeah, a specific yeah. story that many anybody who's been a doula long enough is probably going to have had stories that that upset them. So I think that's what we're 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 going to Yeah, but I did want to talk. I just wanted to introduce you. We're so happy to have you. We did a birth with you about 18 months ago, right? Year ago? Yeah. A year ago. Yeah. That was so much fun. Um, that was my first opportunity to really get to know you more deeply. And I love having you in my community. Um, so you took doula training, which I don't need to necessarily get into that. But the part that um, I thought was really amazing in your bio was um, 
My path to birth work really started 15 years ago with the birth of my daughter. It was when I realized that birth can be a transformative experience regardless of outcome. I feel exactly the same way. I've supported around 100 families to honor their instincts, make informed decisions, and maintain their place as the impetus of their birthing experience. My postpartum doula practices focus on the nurturance of the intimate relationship between parent and child, bringing light to the child's biological expectations and the complex shifting that occurs during postpartum. All of this in a five foot two inch package with wild colored hair, tattoos, and the occasional F-bomb and a wicked sense of, this says humo, which I thought is funny. Humor. It's humor. (laughs) (laughs) And this was texted to us while we were driving and I was like, whoa. And she said, uh, I uploaded that at a stoplight so we have to add that to your bio as a uh, LA yeah benefit <laughs> I think yeah if, I mean if you're in LA and you're driving in LA you make the most out of the red lights and traffic Ooh, so, so dangerous I know um, but your story of the one that you're about to share with us was was passed along to me from another close doula friend who you're on a private Facebook group and you tried to send me the video multiple times but I am really, um, I'm really interested in hearing this story because I think that we need to start to shed some light on some of the more traumatic experiences that we as birth workers in the hospital are experiencing. And in no way do we not honor the support that we do get in hospitals when we need it. But I also think we need to start to... Um, to talk more openly about this so that we can maybe cause some change. So thanks for being here. Thank you. I mean, yeah. thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I completely agree with you. And I think that um, that's a big reason um, that I have been very vocal about this um, that happened. Um, I think that uh, we just don't, it, it's happening, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, I think for a woman who's giving birth, especially, you know, first time mom or they don't even sometimes realize what's happened to them. Agreed. And as birth workers, you know, I, I, I'm there and I witness different things, different births, different providers, different nurses, different. And so you kind of start to see um, the range of what happens. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of, you know, why I'm, definitely sharing and talking about this. I've also posted about it on my um, Instagram and all of that stuff. So what's your Instagram? Um, it's doula 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 doula. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this happened about three weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say three weeks. And um, it was a client. Um, I was hired. She did not speak any English. And mm-hmm. so that was one of the main concerns. So you're bilingual. Um, I am well. bilingual. Mm-hmm. I'm um, Latina. And so my first language is actually Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of the biggest concern was this woman does not speak English. And um, she will have no way of communicating or understanding what's happening. Uh, so that was a, a main thing. The other thing was um, this woman was fairly new in this country Mm -hmm. um she's been here for you know not a very long time and so she did have a child already that was born in another country um was actually born at home Mm -hmm. um with her uh, mother and grandmother as her midwives which country guatemala oh yeah um and so that was really her experience of birth Mm -hmm. and um so we met and she was lovely and um you know uh this uh, I'm going to share a detail. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not sharing any of her info, obviously. Um, yes. But um, I do think it's important because I do think it um, plays a part in all this. But um, she was giving birth to a second baby who she was placing for adoption. Mm-hmm. Is this why she chose not to have a home birth this time? Because um, I know sometimes with adoption and surrogacy, it's it's they don't really allow home birth. Do you know? I don't know. Okay. Um, I imagine it had a lot to do with, but... Um, uh, so th- it was already a really loaded birth. I yeah. mean, I already, I was prepared for the emotional, you know, aspect and that, that was going to happen. Um, we had talked at length about it, what was going to happen, what wasn't, 
birth uh, the adoptive parents were going to be in the room. Um, she wanted to hold the baby um, and then immediately have the baby taken. She did not want to nurse, you know, all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had worked really hard and, you know, we were ready. She started laboring. We labored for quite a while. She didn't want to leave her home. Um, and when I first met her, she informed me that she had been assigned, was the word she used in Spanish, um, to Monterey Park Hospital. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Not your favorite? I've, I had never been there. I didn't okay. even know there was a hospital there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up in LA. And um, I thought that was really odd because she lived literally a few minutes from um, Good Sam. Mm-hmm. And um, did she did she have medical? She did have medical. Does mm-hmm. medical do that? Do they ass- do they assign hospitals? No, she was assigned to the hospital by the agency. Oh, the adoption. Oh, agency. this mm-hmm. is what I'm talking about. Sometimes yes. you don't get choice in these sorts right. of situations. Right, right. And sometimes the adoptive parents are afraid of home birth and yep. they, they don't want it either. Yep. So. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, no, she was assigned by the adoption agency. So mm-hmm. it was quite a, a ways from where she was, if mm-hmm. you know the area yeah. of Good Sam compared to Monterey Park. Why don't you tell us um, how far just for people that aren't from LA? I mean, in a car, or you're talking about without <laughs> traffic, um, <laughs> at least 20 minutes. That would be two in the morning. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, and this person didn't have a car mm-hmm. um so she was dependent on public transportation wow. and um so the whole thing just kind of was very odd um do you think again the speculation probably do you think that they they choose that hospital because they had a financial deal with the hospital at this point i do believe that there's definitely something going on mm-hmm. i can't imagine why else they would choose that hospital. yeah right? absolutely okay Especially if she has um, medical anyway go ahead right 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 and that's what i said to her and you know and we had talked about it previously um, about even California hospital, you know, that was way closer. And, mm-hmm. But she said, no, 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 I, that's the one I have to go to. Okay. Great. So she was laboring at home. She did fantastic. Um, her son was with us. She was just, you know, doing great. There was a lot of emotion during labor, a lot of tears, a lot of, you know, just kind of coming to the realization that this is it. And um, But she was doing great. Uh, we get to the hospital and... Uh, the first thing that happens is they immediately try to separate her from me. Um, and I tell the the person at the ER who was the person, there's only one way in or out of this hospital. Um, you know, I'm her doula and da, 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 da. And, uh, the nurse says, well, you're not allowed to go with her in triage or at all in triage. Yeah. I've had that at some hospitals in triage. They don't let us go. Right. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I understand. Um, uh, you know, uh, can I go with her to labor and delivery and wait in labor and delivery while she's triaged? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that happens, uh, for example, Little Company of Mary in Torrance. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes in triage, you're not allowed in. Uh, but you're like right outside the room waiting for them. Yeah, um, and as her interpreter as well, right. that seems right. not appropriate. So um, she said no. So then I said, you know, can I please speak to the charge nurse? Um, and the charge nurse came down and she agreed that I could come up. And so I went. And um, then from that point, uh, I was told that I could not be with her um, because they didn't know if the doctor had given permission for her to have a doula. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I don't know why he would need to give you permission because I don't work for him. I don't, you know, I mean, honestly, I've never had anybody say this. And so I just said, you know, I, it has nothing to do with him Mm -hmm. and asked for another charge nurse and another, I went through three nurses. Um, Finally, I said to one of them, you know, I, if anything, fine, I'm not her doula. I'm her friend and I'm here to speak English and help her, you know, understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. And this nurse said, well, are you a certified translator? And I said, are you kidding me? What the, f- oh, can I curse? You can. Yeah, you okay. can. Go I was for like, it. Say it. What the fuck is a certified <laughs> translator? I'm like, I, I call my mom. I don't know. Like I speak Spanish. I, you know, I said, you know, that's fine. I said, get her a certified translator, which of course they didn't. They don't, they, they don't have, have no it. idea what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finally I was, I, you know, kept fighting, got to be with her in triage. I walk in and she's signing things um, on like the little electronic pad. And the nurse who's triaging her is asking her about her documents. 
And so I immediately stopped and I immediately said, you know, you are, you don't have to answer her. You are not allowed to, you know, ask. You're not allowed. It's not, it's against the law to ask I don't somebody know about this part, but about, um, their legal status mm. in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I immediately said to my client, you don't have to answer that. You know, what have you signed? What have you, you know, trying to kind of, uh, at this point we know that she's eight centimeters. Awesome. So she's well, you know, in labor. Yes. Um, and she. Wait, so she's eight centimeters and they're asking her to fill out. Yes. Form. Well, this is normal. Yes. Very yeah. normal. Yes. This is normal. Yes. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just acting. I'm, I'm just acting. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Right. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, and so uh, she's eight centimeters. And, and how she... many stairs do you have in your house? <laughs> <laughs> and what did your grandmother die from? That's my favorite. How many stairs? Yeah. Yep. Or when they ask in front of the spouse, are you in danger or do you feel unsafe? And I'm like, you can't wait till she's alone. Like, oh, yes. You know. They made us leave the room the other day for that one. Oh, they did? Uh, my favorite is when they don't. And then you're like, this is pointless. Right. Um <laughs> So, um, let's see. Uh, so she's eight centimeters and she says to me that she needs to get up. She's on her back. She's being monitored. Um, and she says, I just need to get up. Uh, if anybody, you know, if you've been in labor, you know that you really got to move. You got to get up. women, yeah. And um, the nurse, I mean, went on a complete, you know, panic and said she can't get up from the bed anymore. She's eight centimeters. That baby can fall out. <laughs> Which you know. Wait, let's wait. Let's. We need a little moment of silence, <laughs> so people at home can actually interpret what just was what was just said. Yeah, like baby falling out would be a bad thing. Uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, I don't know that that it's not, uh, you know, that's not really how that happens most of the time, <laughs> ma'am. But what do I know? I'm not a medical professional, and so. Um, so you can know. she stand on the bed? That yeah, would exactly. be my response. <laughs> so I was able to kind of get her on her hands and knees on the bed. Yeah. And um, and then at this point, the doctor comes in. And the doctor's name is Dr. Patrick Baggett. And I am sharing the doctor's name. Yes, you are. And um, I think that's one of those things that, um, you know, yes, it carries consequence. And I'll deal with them if they come. But I also think that we are... In the birth community and in general, we're very ambiguous about this stuff. Yes. Because we're so scared. Yes. And um, ambiguity is not helping anybody anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you got to be direct about certain things. And this is one of those things. And so um, I'm going to pause just for a minute. Um, This is one of the main reasons that I want to start having these conversations, because I feel like um, in a lot of ways, we're being bullied because mm-hmm. um, midwives and doulas because we feel like <clears throat> if we make waves mm-hmm. that we're not going to be treated well when we do go to the hospital mm-hmm. and it's this vicious circle and we're not really getting any benefits from it anyways. Right. You know, we're not getting more collaboration or any of this stuff. So I'm really proud of you, Carla, for for ste- stepping up and doing what you know is right, even though you feel like there might be backlash. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even in the birth community, right? Like it's um you know, you don't want to be a rogue doula, you know. That's a term that I heard very early when I became a doula, yeah. you know. Um I've heard it at hospitals, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, well we have to have these rules because of some rogue doulas. Like what is a rogue doula? Is she performing the cesarean or is she handing a protein bar to a client? Right. So, anyway. I I I just like to sidetrack for a second myself too is that is that if people are interested, there was a, a blog posted yesterday or the day before in Birth Monopoly. It's Kristen Pascucci's yes. blog. And it, and it, isn't, it doesn't have anything to do with this situation or any other situation other than it's the unique Doulas. one where uh, what, if your lo- what if your doula was also yes. your lawyer? And, and uh, Hermine Hayes-Klein and, and the patient and Kristen all comment on this. It's a really interesting uh, read. Yeah. Um, because you just asked the question, like, you know, well you know, we're, we're supposed to behave or we're supposed to, what was the word you used? I don't remember. Not, something uh, of a, a, yeah, we're a rogue, rogue. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're not supposed to go rogue, right. And, uh, you, you know, when you're advocating for your client, how could, you know, for someone to call that going rogue? It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to figure out how to give them information that might be contrary to what is happening in the hospital and not 
make waves mm-hmm. um, and and not make it more difficult, but at the same time, make sure that you're doing the job that you were hired for. Right. Well, we all know hospitals yeah. have kicked doulas out, so... Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> oh, well, we have yeah. about how many minutes, by the way? Oh, we still have f- 15. Okay, just wanted yeah, to make sure Yeah, we got a lot of time. Okay. okay. So, um, uh, what I was know, I? We sidetracked I know. you. We were talking about I, the getting her up out of bed and the baby falling out. Oh, yeah. So, at this yeah. point, the doctor comes in. That's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I did have some idea from the, um, I had spoken with this woman's um, adoption counselor um, and the, she had mentioned, you know, he's not a fan of doulas. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's okay. You know, I'm, (laughs) I'm definitely, I'm somebody where you can throw me in a room of strangers and I'll make friends with everybody. I'm very easygoing. I'm very friendly. I'm, you know, um, it's not like I walked in there looking for a fight. That's not at all my, my style. Right. And, um, so he came in and I introduced him. Oh, because he looked at me and he said, who are you? And I said, you know, my name is Carla and I'm her doula. It's so nice to meet you. It's, you know, my first time working with you. And let me know, you know, if there's anything I can do. You know, my spiel that I always do. Yes. And he kind of, and he left me with my hand out because yeah. I was going to shake his hand. He didn't shake my hand and he just looked at me and he said, I hate doulas. Ooh, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was, was like, <laughs> yeah. And so I just, you know, I looked at him and I said, well, good. You know, um, don't hire one for your birth. I don't know what I was supposed to do. Did you actually do. say that? Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> I, didn't I love know. you. <laughs> I know. I didn't know what I was supposed to do with that information. <laughs> right. But, you know, so. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great way to, a great way to break the ice there. Yeah. Start. Yeah, exactly. So, um, he storms out of the room and he tells the nurse to get the OR ready. So my client hears that and, um, she is asking me what they're saying. I'm translating as fast as I can. And she starts panicking and she says, I don't want to see section. I don't want to see section. And I'm like, why would you, you know, it's okay. We're going to talk to the doctor. Um, anyway, what are you thinking about why he's asked for an OR with a woman who's already had a previous vaginal delivery and is eight centimeters? Yeah, I have no idea what's Mm -hmm. going on. Yeah, okay. Um, but I do think that at this specific hospital, I think that all women give birth in the OR. Mm. Um, Mm. oh, you mean the vaginal deliveries are in the OR? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think everybody gives birth in the OR, which is well, that's the way it was about 25, 30 years ago, right? Is he an older doctor? He is, okay. and um, and but going back to what Stu just said, so that's really what this hospital is like. Yeah. It's like a it's like a Twilight Zone episode where we've traveled back in time. Mm-hmm. And this is this is this is not an un- unusual thing in small community hospitals right. around the country. Mm-hmm. Is that they're still operating on nineteen seventy five? Yes. Uh, um, mode of deliveries, yeah. right? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not. I, I could have guessed that when I when I heard. And you'd never heard of this hospital before, ever. I had never heard of this hospital before, right? And I could just sort of. And when they, the first thing they said to you was, um, you know, did the doctor approve you being here? Right. Uh, when you said that earlier, I, I could already sort of see that this cascade of of things coming where where it is like that because I I practiced at hospitals like that when I was out in Ventura County. Yeah. For a little bit, we we gradually made things change. But when I first got there, it was very very old fashioned. Yeah, it was bizarre to say the least. Yeah. And so, you know, I found out and I told her we're going to go in there. That's where everybody has the babies. Blah blah blah. Um, and so she's wheeled in, um, and everybody um, who goes into the OR, including me, um, we have to wear. Like, uh, you know, like the hospital gowns that patients wear? Yeah. They make us wear those, but backwards. Okay. <laughs> and like a mask and like a hairnet. It was like, what are you, <laughs> what are we doing here? Um, it was very, very strange. Um, and then I hear the um, two nurses ask, well, did she have the enema yet? And I'm like, no, because nobody's had one since like 1975. <laughs> no. And so my client, enema is the same word in Spanish. Yes. And so she is like, no way, you know. And I'm like, no, no, you know, she's she's declining. She's not going to have that. And the nurse says, well, you know, we'll see what the doctor says. Um, so at this point, she's pushing. She's trying not to push, but she's pushing. And um, she's kind of writhing around. And um, the doctor comes in. And uh, sits, you know, at the stool at the end of the table and uh, immediately 
uh, breaks her water uh, with, with an amni hook. Without consent. Without consent. Never asked. Never mentioned it. And screwed a, a fetal monitor into the baby. And... Um, Had there been any... Zero. Okay. Nothing. Everybody knows what I was going to ask, so I, yeah. won't, even, I won't even go bother wasting time asking the question. Yeah. No decelerations. Baby was on the monitor beautifully. Everything was complete. I mean, there was no reason for it. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, she's asking me, what is he doing? What is he doing? And I'm telling her. And um, and then he uh, asks the nurse to start Pitocin. Okay. Um. And I tell my client and um, she's asking questions and I'm trying to translate from her to him the questions. I don't want to answer the questions because I'm not a doctor. Right. Were the parents adoptive parents? Not yet. Okay. They're on their way. Okay. Um, and uh, so uh, he starts pit on a woman who's about Basically to complete. complete and, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so he's ignoring all the questions. <laughs> that I'm translating. He's just not answering. Um, and then he says that she needs a, a straight cath. Um, when, oh, cause she had wanted to go to the bathroom and of course they wouldn't let her up to go to the bathroom. Right. Um, and so I start, I start to explain to her what the straight cath is, what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, no, 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 no. I, you know, I'll just pee. I'll pee on myself. Like I don't want the catheter. Cause she doesn't have an epidural. She doesn't have anything. Right. Um, and I said to him, you know, my client does not want to be catheterized. And he yells at me, um, in the loudest voice ever. And he says, um, uh, you don't call the shots in here. I do. If you don't, um, if you keep that up, I'm calling security. Mm-hmm. And so I was definitely stunned, which is hard to do. Um, <laughs> but I had never been yelled at by a doctor in that way. Right. Um, and so it took me a minute. And then I yelled back at him. And I said, no. I said, you don't call the shots in here. She does. Amazing. And it took um, a lot of courage. And she, um, I'm sure he's never heard that before. Yeah, no, it's it looked like he like it was news to him, and he probably wasn't happy about it. Well, right, just everything he's doing was a time warp, yeah, en- enemas catheterizing, it was stirrups, bizarre. yeah, oh, yeah, uh, delivery room. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. OR delivery room. That's all it, it, it is a time warp, it, it, uh, yeah, never yeah. mind. Um, so at this point, the adoptive parents have arrived and um, he leaves, thank goodness, um, to basically go in the hallway and scold them like children for hiring a doula. Um, and I can hear everything. And they're like, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. You know, we, you know, we just we did what we thought was right. And he's, t- you know, saying things like, I thought you trusted me. This is so disrespectful you know, that sort of thing. Um, They all come back in and he has a nurse who speaks Spanish and she, uh, he asks her to explain to my client what, why he needs to do the straight calf. Um, And that nurse totally lies. My client asks her in Spanish, is it going to hurt? And she says, not really. I mean, it'll be a little pinch. Um, It's not. I mean, you know, my client jumped about three feet in the air, Mm -hmm. Um, but he did it. Um, and when she jumped, you know, she got really upset and she was crying and she was trying to really kind of crawl away from him up on the on the table. And so he asked the nurse to put um, uh, Demerol in her IV, uh, which my client had specifically said before, I don't want anything that's going to make me feel loopy or drunk. Um, I don't want narcotics, essentially, because I want to remember this baby. I want to be able to see my baby before he's gone. Yeah. Um, and so... Plus, it crosses the placenta. Right. <laughs> Plus, he's drugging somebody without their consent. Right. It's I mean, just, that's... I'm nobody, nobody... <laughs> this is the mall chip. She's going to deliver, like, I, I can't shortly. believe the baby... Yeah. So... Um, so, he's giving her Demerol because he's doing... To, to allow him to do an unnecessary procedure right. on yeah. her. Right? Yeah. Or to punish her. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and, or make her more compliant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and can't comply when you've been... Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, 
So I basically had to physically put my body between the nurse and her IV, like the, uh, you know, where the IV stuff was hanging um, and her arm and stuff. And I, I said, you cannot put that in her. She's saying no. And I had told my client, just keep saying no, 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 no. Um, nobody was, nobody was recording. Oh, were, were people recording at this point? No, because we weren't allowed to bring phones. Right. In. I'm just getting nauseous hearing the story, but yeah. yeah, go ahead. Um, and, um, so I just, you know, I put physically put my body as a barrier and I said, you can't put that in there. And, um, uh, uh, you know, that was, he said, okay, that's it. Call security. Um, and I said, that's fine. You know, call security. And he got up and he grabbed me by my arm mm. to move me. And I said, call security, call the fucking cops. I said, you just assaulted me. I'm like, you can't touch my body without permission. Um, at this point, I'm like balls to the wall. Like I, right. I'm, I'm going down yeah. in, a, in, a, in a fury. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm like, whatever. At this point, yeah. I texted my husband. Once I got out, I was like, I may go to jail. I'm not sure what's happening. Um, anyway, um, so while we're waiting for security, she um, is pushing. Baby's coming. Um, he's doing that awful, you know, perineal massage thing where he's like pulling on her, and she's screaming because it hurts, and she's saying no, 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 and, um, and her legs are in stirrups, right? Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And um, and she's is saying, she all is she all draped in? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The hazmat drapes around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, she's saying no, no, no. And I'm telling him, you know, she's saying no. She wants you to take your hands out of her vagina. Um, and he is just so furious. He's just pissed. And baby's coming. And he literally, I don't know how to explain it so that it's like a, a clear visual. But um, as the baby's coming, he literally like hooks his fingers or hooks onto the baby somehow and yanks this baby out of her body. Um, so hard that the cord snaps. And I have seen cord snaps when they're extremely short. Mm-hmm. This was a long, healthy cord. This was not a short cord. Mm-hmm. But he yanked that baby so hard that it like broke and there was blood everywhere because it's doing that garden hose thing. Yes. And mom is freaking out. She's like, what's happened? What's happened? Why is there so much blood? What's happening? What's happening? Um he yanks the baby out and like lays it on like part of the bed. Um, and she had requested to have the baby for a minute. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm, you know, I'm telling the nurse at this point, you know, the baby needs to go to, to the, the birth mother for a little bit. And, um, and do you he, know if he had clamped the cord? Because now no. he has, uh, oh, there's he, no clamp on the, not on the yet, baby. No, okay. no, no. Um, there's blood everywhere. I mean, I'm covered in it. Everybody's covered in blood. Um, and she has a pretty significant tear. Um, I did see that. And, um, and then security got there. And so I was carried out and I was kicking and screaming and Mm -hmm. I lost a flip flop in the process. And, uh, which I always thought was funny. (laughs) Um, and yeah. And so they take me out and, um, they, you know, just say, you know, just, don't you can't go back in there you got to wait until she's in postpartum um so i'm texting the adoptive mother and i'm saying make sure she has lidocaine for the suturing you know uh, trying to give them information um i'm able to eventually kind of sneak back in after a few minutes like 10 15 minutes mm-hmm. um i come in you're an animal <laughs> <laughs> um i come back in and he's very surprised to see me and um he's suturing her um, and she's telling me she's in a lot of pain and I'm asking him if he's using lidocaine and, um, and he says yes. And he, you know, grabs the, the syringe again. And just to kind of show me starts like putting it into her all over her perineum, her vagina, her vulva everywhere, just sticking her and going, see, 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 see. And, um, uh, security comes back. They take me back out. Um, they're like, we're really going to have to call the police if you do that again. Um, and so I'm in my car. I'm crying. Um, you know, I'm a mess. Um, I waited until they were in postpartum. Um, and uh, I get to postpartum. And she's still in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And um, she's just telling me, you know, 
once I left, there's nobody else that spoke Spanish. The adoptive parents don't speak Spanish. Right. Nobody does. Right. And so I get there and she's so happy to see me and she starts crying and she tells me it hurts, it hurts. And she feels so much pressure and she feels so much pressure. So wait, um, you snuck back in again? In to the postpartum side. Oh, so yeah. that was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's what security had said. Um, and so she's telling me she has so much pressure. And so I asked her, you know, um, if she'd peed or, you know, and she said, no, but I think I can. So I helped her up, blah, blah, blah. Um, as she's peeing, I usually use the little peri bottle and I like squirt warm water um, so that it doesn't sting that first pee. Right. Um, and I'm doing that and I'm noticing like, it's like um, her vulva, everything down there. I mean, yes, it's swollen after she's given birth, but it looks um, like, I don't know how to explain it, like bulbous, like really heavy. Mm-hmm. And so... I kind of, you know, I ask her, I'm like, you know, where are you feeling the heaviness? And the, the, she tells me, you know, down low. And as she's getting back into the bed and she's opening her legs to get in, I notice like a blue surgical towel. Mm. You know, the ones that when they suture, when doctors suture, they'll put a few inside sometimes to stop to check, the bleeding. To stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, so the nurse comes in and I say, you know, could you check her? Do you mean a sponge or do you mean like a the real towel? The towels, the little the blue, blue towels. towels. Those are pretty big though. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, <laughs> I didn't know this part. You look like you've heard this part before. but No, I've seen it happen yeah. before. Where they leave a blue towel or stuff it in. But mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And so I, the nurse comes in and the nurse immediately is like, oh, we, we know about you. And I'm um, like, you know, I'm trying to be nice and just can you check her? And the nurse says, well, that's none of your business. You're not a doctor or a nurse. And I said, I understand. But if you could just take a look. Also, with, another thing that I found interesting was they never did a fundal massage ever the entire time she was there. That is interesting because it seems like they do tons of them. <laughs> I know. That's why I thought it was so strange. So before I left, I taught her how to find her fundus and mm-hmm. you know whatever. Um, but... So eventually, so the nurse is ignoring me. Eventually, the adoptive mother, the 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 uh, the one white person in the room, mm. says, "Could you please check?" Mm-hmm. And the nurse says, "Oh, of course, you yeah. know." And that was just, it is what it is when you are not when you're a woman of color in the hospital. Yeah, sometimes the, you know we Which have it, to go ahead. No, no, we, we we can keep going. We'll keep going. But we can okay for a little bit. But but it's interesting because Monterey Park is. Hugely Hispanic. That's right. Yeah. So the the fact that there's like there you there you felt discriminated against. Yeah. (laughs) Being Hispanic in a Hispanic community. Yeah. Is even even more absurd. Yeah. So um I'm almost done. So um so they come in they check the nurse checks and she starts pulling out these towels and it's literally like you know that magic trick with the scarves. Yes. I mean she's just pulling and pulling and pulling and not surprised. And she's not surprised. No, I mean, at the end, I think she pulled a total of maybe 10 hmm. of those giant towels that got left in her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then all she did was she kind of chuckled and said, hmm, I guess he did forget. Hmm. And then took them. Total negligence. I can't I can't even imagine getting one or two of those in there. <laughs> yeah. Let alone 10. <sighs> and they were soaked in blood. Yeah. And immediately she said, oh, that feels so much better. Mm. Oh, wow. I'm so glad that she had you, first of all. I'm so sorry that you had to go through this experience. It's traumatic yeah. for you as well as for her. Are you guys still in touch? Are you still supporting yeah. her? Yeah, we've been in touch and I've been, you know, helping, you know, just we'll talk on the phone or we'll text every so often. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of, a lot of shit and like this one. Um, yeah, I had a lot of PTSD and, and probably will continue to unpack and process that you and I touched base on, on text or phone recently. And I said, you know, I I feel like people are going to be really, sick to their stomach from yeah. this story and feel called to action. Do you have anything specifically that you would like to request or invite people to do regard, you know, could be specifically about this or just in general that we could put into action from this story? I know. Um, I thought about it and the truth is I don't, I don't really know. I'm not, I'm not there yet. Yeah. I don't, um, I've written letters, mm-hmm. um, 
And uh, the responses are even better. You've um, written letters to the hospital? Yes, I wrote to the hospital administrator. Mm -hmm. I wrote to the head of L&D. And what did you get back? Um, basically, we're absolutely shocked. Everybody loves him. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of them, I think the hospital administrator said, I'm absolutely shocked. Everybody loves him. Is it okay if we share this letter with him? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, also give him my address. Why don't you? I mean, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Right, right. Um, another one of the letters came back and said that, oh, because, so the end of it is he has now been um, trying to complain about me mm -hmm. and write through, a complaint about me. Through what? Um, he contacted the um, adoption agency to get information about where I came from and mm -hmm. how to complain about me. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I could see that coming, by the way. This is the yeah. standard thing that happens when when somebody's called out on it. They, they'll never admit that they that they could be doing anything wrong. It has to be somebody else. It has to be, you know, this is the kind of thing where I know your client probably not speaking English, probably not wanting to get involved, but this is the kind of thing that where that your client should contact the Medical Board of California mm -hmm. and your client should file a, a complaint. Mm -hmm. And probably nothing will happen, but they will investigate it eventually mm -hmm. and at least go on record so that if two other, three other people file complaints, then eventually something might get done. Yeah. But this is the only way to do it because everything you've described is really, it, it, it w was, was either malpractice mm -hmm. Uh, uh, negligent, mm -hmm. malicious, or archaic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Racist. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's so much in there. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, and you're right, you know, it would be great if my client was in a place where she felt she could do that. Unfortunately, she doesn't. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's kind of the thing with a lot of women that experience this. It's almost like, yes. I understand what happened to me was not right, but I also want to just forget it. Want to move on? Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap it up here, but I'm sure we're gonna get a lot of mail, and maybe we'll have you back on. Yeah. In a few weeks, I do have one other comment though. Mm -hmm. Can you say the the doctor's name again? Uh, yeah, Doctor Patrick Baggett. B A G G O. -T. Okay. So, Doctor Baggett, if you're listening, okay, you are welcome anytime to come on Doctor Stu's podcast. Yeah. And, and I'd love to hear your story. Perfect. Yeah. So you're welcome to come on. We do want an equal time. Yeah. We will. We will. You know, I I don't think we'll send him a request, but if somebody gets back to him <laughs> and tells him that we are talking about him, he's mm -hmm. certainly welcome to come on and tell his side of the story. Yeah, that'd be great. Great. Thanks so much for being here. And yeah, like that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> bringing to light um, your situation, which I know is not unique. This happens all the time. And um, I'm beginning to come up with some ideas of how we can start to approach this from a more activism mm -hmm. um, perspective. So hopefully we can talk further and bring yeah. it back to the podcast. Awesome. Thank Thanks. you, guys. Thank you're you for welcome. having me. Carla, thank you so much. You. You're, uh, you, you're, you're a great guest. And you know, it was... It was uh, it was very difficult, but you did. You told the story very, very well. Thank you. So thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, to our listeners, this has been podcast number 134 on Dr. Stu's podcast. We hope that you uh, will send comments to us at askdrstu at gmail.com. You can reach us at uh, uh, info at birthinginstincts.com as well and at bliss at birthingbliss.com. And Carla, your Instagram again? Doola doula. Doola doula. Hard, that's hard to remember. <laughs> anyway, again, thanks for listening. We really appreciate listening. We li getting the letters from all over the country. Actually, all over the globe. World. That's right. We're global here at Dr. Stu's Podcast. <laughs> See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>